Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 First Impressions Podcast, uh, coming to you after uh, 17-16 loss to Washington. That really is, is really bad for the Colts' um, overall chances of, of getting back into the playoff race. I, I don't know if most Colts fans are even thinking about that at this time, but just figured we'd say it off the top. Um, we, I guess we'll start with the, we'll start with the good. Um, because it's it's the thing that I think most people cared about coming in and into and out of this game, and uh, it's it's that Sam Ellinger looked the part. He looked the part of an NFL quarterback today. Um, Seventeen twenty three, two hundred and one yards, six carries, fifteen yards. Had one turnover. Um, took two sacks, and his mobility did uh, buy some time. He did uh, was able to throw on the move sub. I think was probably more accurate than. Uh, than maybe uh, we expected, but um, yeah, a, a, an encouraging debut um, from from Ellinger. Yeah, especially when you get down into the locker room and you're talking to some different offensive players and defensive players, and they're bringing him up and they're talking about how they felt like he never really seemed rattled out there, and they they were pretty impressed. And I was curious how that would that part of it would go because you know we. We were in there three days this week where that was just such a shell-shocked locker room in, in making this transition, and, and a lot of them did not know Sam. Like a lot of – Michael Pittman thought he hadn't caught a ball from him in a year, and Alec Pierce had never caught a pass from him. And so today was a good step for him to get to know those players, and what I was impressed by is that it got better throughout the game. Like at the start of it, I thought it was it was really conservative and really – kind of limited it was it was just sort of like he just looked okay but by the end by the second half you know that's when he was he was throwing down the field to Alec Pierce he threw down the field to Paris Campbell um, generated generated some drives and, and really started to look like a guy who was willing to take more down the field uh, risks and they were calling a few more plays that that really were built around his uh, running skill set so we'll see how they how they evolve that there's I mean there's certainly there's a lot of room for an improvement. Obviously, when they score 16 points, it's still, you know, the, the thing he came – the quarterback change did not fix the offense. So that's a different conversation to have here. But I do think as far as um, what you were hoping for out of Alec Ellinger, if you were kind of being realistic and understanding it's a six-round pick who's never played before, he's stepping into a bad offense, this was about as, as realistically good as it could have been. Um, well, I thought, I thought I, the poise to um – just, just he not getting rattled. I think is is my big takeaway. Uh, you look at the start that they had, three and out, three and out. Uh, the second three and out was punctuated by a third down play that he, he really could have thrown an interception. Um, ball bounced off of a linebacker's hands. Field goal. Um, four and out. And and then a uh, and then a play that uh, really felt more like the. Um, 
the same of what we've seen from this offense where they, they drove down into, into Washington territory pretty easily. And then on a second and long, um, Ellinger started to step up in the pocket and just kind of lost the ball. Uh, he was going to get hit after that, but he, he lost the ball without getting hit. That's that's the sort of play um, I think that a younger guy, especially going into the half, could really get in his own head. I think we've seen that with some other young quarterbacks in the past in the NFL. And he just really handled himself well. He handled himself well out there. Um, really start to finish. Uh, you you didn't see a ton of the the rookie type moments after uh, outside of the ones I just talked about. Um, completed a lot of passes. Um, I mean, he, they didn't throw that many. There weren't a lot of plays in this game uh, overall, but um, completed a lot of passes. Didn't really put another ball in in jeopardy the rest of the way, which has been a big big thing for this offense. Um, and and ended up, you know giving them a chance to win. Uh, I thought I was most impressed. The, the second thing I was probably impressed with more than anything was just his accuracy. Um, you know, his yards per attempt ended up being really good, and it had less to do, I think, with the with the long completion to Alec Pierce than it did with the fact that he completed 17 of his 23 passes. Um, you know, the, the long pass helped, and they had a couple of explosive plays in there, but... Uh, just the just the being able to get completions and, and throwing on the move, finding Michael Pittman Jr. Um, just just a pretty efficient game as a passer. Um, we we I mean twenty three attempts. We, there's it's a I think it's a different thing between what he did today and maybe seeing him throw forty five times uh, in a game where they need him to put the team on his back and win by throwing it. Um, but just encouraging from an accuracy standpoint. Um, yeah, I think it's worth uh, you know it's worth acknowledging this was a good sort of game to ease him in on. You're at home, you're facing you know a team in the Commanders that has a backup quarterback as well, and Taylor Heineke, and you know it just wasn't a game that where he was going to have to yeah every single drive answer it, have to create these instant answer, instant explosive plays. It you know it was not the most thrilling game for really all of it but especially you know when it was 7 to 6 in like the third quarter it's this was a decent time for him to step in there was no there's no you know there he didn't have to deal with the road crowd he didn't have to deal with any kind of weather um and that's any he, any he grew comfortable within that and so all this is going to be for Ellinger Ellinger is kind of each week's got to build on it each week is all this stuff is so new to him he's never you know, he's never played an NFL game, which means he's never played a road game. He's never played a weather game. He's never had to answer. He's never had to play in a shootout. There's some of these things are going to come this year. Uh, if he, if he, you know, hangs on to this job and stays healthy, the shootout one might not happen. Yeah, probably not because the Colts that, because the Colts can't get, can't can't score enough to be in a shootout. Oh, they won't be in the shootout. They might eventually face a team like the Eagles that puts up thirty plus points. But uh, yeah, it's just it's. This was not the worst week to roll it out, uh, roll out the Sam Ellinger kind of experience. What I noticed too is he he gave a, I mean Sam is such a great kid and such a great person to talk to. He really has a great understanding of who he is and who he's not, which I think is very important and uh, something that a uh, quarterback who was here last year was the opposite of that. Um, but but Sam and, and I give that a lot of credit to him for that is that he said this week that uh, you know he he really believed in the receivers they have the skill talent they had and again this was a receiving core that last week michael pittman jr you talked about how they need to 
give them more deep shots and give them more of a chance. And that was what Sam talked about all week. And he said, I'm here to let them be the stars. And so he said, I'm, you know, the league's moving toward mobile quarterbacks, which helps you extend plays, helps you get to different, get into different plays. But he wanted really, he was going to feel an uplift when the players around him made plays. So when you saw Paris Campbell, you know, rip off a 28 yard gain, and when he had that screen pass and ran, uh, you know, ran for however many yards he went for, 38 yards, and uh, the, the deep ball to Alec Pierce. I mean, some of those plays were not – Sam was not asked to be, like, the star today. He was asked to distribute and let these guys be the stars, and I think he gained confidence from that because that's how he views this game. He's not out here expecting himself to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And I asked him this week which guys he studies, and he said – He's been studying Jalen Hurts because that's a young quarterback who's in an offense that's very much designed around his specific skill sets while not asking him to be a hero with his arm. And he's, he basically said, like, I, you know, I've always looked up to guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but he didn't feel like that was a realistic comp for him. I mean, he, his understanding that he's a, he's a 6'1 quarterback with a developing arm, um, it clearly has gotten better. I was I was impressed by the accuracy, but he understands that this is still such a long process that he he doesn't feel like he has to come out here and be the star. And yet there's still a couple plays where, like Naheem Hines said, it looked like he was back at Texas. That was the confidence he was playing with, because he found a way to distribute to guys around him and kind of build confidence throughout a game, which is you know, that's a guy you can play with. Ultimately, um, in case of I think I think maybe I want to make sure. I don't, not you, I'm not saying you did this, but um, I want to make sure I don't give him too much credit or, or you know, advance him, Re- read more into a performance than was there. It. I would say the deep ball stuff, Let's. I want to reserve a little bit of judgment on that. He really only had two long completions today. Um, the Pierce completion and the Heinz completion that the Campbell one that's a screen Campbell did the work on it um the Heinz one um it it was a completion he got the ball out there to the right spot if it's in a better place Heinz maybe scores um and there were a couple of pass there were a couple of passes to Pierce that earlier you know one-on-one shots down the field to Pierce earlier in the game that I didn't think he really gave Pierce a chance on yeah, that's um, just, kind of just now, thrown out of bounds. Now, the flip side of that is there's also a uh, long completion that Ellinger should have got on the final drive that Michael Pittman Jr. dropped. And we can get to Pittman Jr. here in a second, but I want to focus on Ellinger for a second. And there so, was the pass interference that Paris Campbell got in the end zone that could have been so, one of the deeper passes. So, well, well, I think that there was some some good there. I don't want to read too much into it and just, you know, think this is going to be a, a deep ball. Uh, I thought there was some good, some bad. Um, just trying to, I guess, just trying to be cautious and not, you know, overreact to, to things. Uh, I think the other thing is, and I, I want to talk, sit, sit on this for a little bit. I think the mobility helped. It definitely helped in the pocket. It definitely helped him buy some time um, and scramble out of the pocket. He was hurt on some of his scrambles by holds, so he, he could have had more than six carries for 15 yards. I don't know. I don't know that it's anything more than a complementary piece to his game, though. I, I don't know if it can be a primary part of his game the way it is for some quarterbacks. Um, 
like I don't know if you could do the Justin Fields thing with him right now. I don't think so. Um, they some of that some of that maybe is is less about Ellinger and more about the offensive line. There were some things that the Colts tried to do running wise today, run game wise with him, and not none of it, not a lot of it really materialized. They tried the quarterback sweep there on the goal line, which I think that's a, a very good play to get Ellinger out and and hopefully take advantage of it. And they only got a yard, not blocked very well. They had another one they got a face mask on, also not blocked very well. Um, so maybe maybe there's more to maybe there's more to it than we've seen. And it's just. Well, the but offensive we're, line is too inconsistent to give him yeah. a chance. But I, I say, uh, missing blocks is sort of the identity of the offense he's stepping into. So, um, but in terms of in terms of just the the quarterback run aspect of it, the design quarterback run aspect of it, I, I thought they tried to get to some of that stuff, and it didn't materialize maybe as much as they'd hoped. Would be, I guess, the way I'd describe it. Yeah, I, like I said, they were. He was studying a lot of Jalen Hurts, and that is one of the most creative, uh, you know, run offenses in the NFL. Geared around getting Jalen Hurts to the perimeter a lot of those sweep type plays. Differences there is, Eagles have a much, much better offensive line and, and better everything else like blocking tight ends and whatnot. And Jalen Hurts is, you know, a little bit more established at at that. And that's so Ellinger. Like the thing I want, I was pumping the brakes on as I this week just with Sam just so we didn't set high I I did not want I didn't want to set high expectations for a sixth round pick because the precedent is is just not there for for huge success at that and and I I didn't want to have to come back with this and and if he didn't have a great game you know crush him for it because you got to realize it is a six round pick and so he was not he, he's a mobile quarterback and he obviously showed that he can extend plays he he's not such a blow you away athlete that he was just going to kind of make magic when there's not blocking which is there's only a few of those in the league there's Lamar Jackson there's Kyler Murray I think Justin Fields is starting to show he's that and on on, on sub levels I mean Josh Allen you could run those sweet plays with and if it's not yeah, blocked, Josh well, Allen Josh just Allen truck definitely. somebody Josh Allen definitely. Josh Allen can do some things that I think, like they do this one play every once in a while. You don't see him do it very often because it's so dangerous for the quarterback. But they do this one thing every once in a while with Josh Allen, where he, he like, he, he, he actually runs into the line, <laughs> and then just stops and throws the ball out of it. And it's just like I don't think I've ever seen it, even in a college offense, the same way. The only um, time I've seen stuff like that was when. The Panthers used to do some of that with Cam Newton, and it doesn't even look like the Cam stuff. It's a little bit. It's it's only I've only seen it twice. The, the reason it sticks out to me is because he threw a touchdown pass on it in the playoff game against the Colts a couple years back. But it doesn't even really look like the Cam stuff. It's a different kind of thing. Um, so that's it's anyway. That's this is kind of an aside, but um, we'll see. We'll yeah, see if they can yeah. get to more of that. We'll see if they can figure out. I think yeah, I, I think some of the stuff with the quarterback run package stuff. It's it's not even so much about what. About the, what the, about the Colts coaching staff learning what Ellinger can do. Some of it is learning what this offensive line can actually block. Yeah, that's um, what that's kind of what my point is. If if he was one of those rare couple players, a Cam Newton in his prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Josh Cam, Allen, Cam had some really bad. Like the line they took to the Super Bowl was oh, pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, and yeah, and that's. I mean, Justin Fields' line right now is terrible, but he's still he's creative right. enough. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray's had some bad lines. There's only like five of those guys who could do that. Sam just isn't that. If he was that, he would have been drafted higher. And that's the reason that I bring it up. That's not a slight on him. He's he's got good. He's he's mobile. Obviously, he's a good athlete. They just they have to 
to really unleash that part of the game, they they have to fix things that have just not been there this year, which is blocking. And I mean, again, we saw that kind of reared ugly head. He helped, you know, he helped avoid a lot of pressures. He helped. Some of the pockets were better, I thought today, but there were times where it's such a different style with him kind of running around and linemen have to block for longer and they have to block at different angles. And what you end up seeing with a bad offensive line is penalties. So there were multiple plays where it looked like he was going to have a good run or a good throw and there'd be some hold. And that's just where it, where it's at. This offensive line is not, they're not confident enough. They're not performing consistently enough. They're not, you know, there's just something, something off with that group. So until they get that fixed, it's, it's going to have limitations. Uh, But, what I did notice, though, is they, they want to diversify the entire run game. So Ellinger to the perimeter, that was one part of it. Yeah, I thought I thought they got. I thought that we saw a lot of different things today. There was the there was the Campbell end around. Uh, there was the Hines and Taylor together, uh, but not his own read. Just a full on. Yeah, two uh, in the back like Packers sweep. It looked like the sixty-seven Packers sweep. Went for nine yards. There was the Hines shovel pass to Pittman. The touch pass, more of the, more yeah. than a shovel touch. Um, that that you kind of want Pittman to get in there in the end zone, um, and then there was a there was another uh, run to the outside that Hines scored on. Um, some of that sprint draw stuff with Taylor again. They they, they 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 it was they try they were trying to do some stuff. They were trying to be cre- pretty creative. A lot of different screens. Um, some of it worked. Some of it didn't. Um, the screens felt like today was the easiest thing easiest time to identify why the screens weren't working they, they, they didn't block yeah. there was one early to Kylan Granson that realistically should have been a six or seven yard screen which is a good play for one of those because um, you're kind of trying to extend the run game get out there and Moelle Cox just missed the one block he had to make mm-hmm. um, there's another screen I can't remember who it was but an offensive lineman missed the block and it just felt like it was it was less about the defense actually knowing what um was coming and it had more to do with they just they just don't block anybody and the execution's not good enough that's where like i don't i don't want to hear the 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 play calling complaints today for the most part i will give i'll say one i did not i did not like the third in goal play call to run out of the shotgun i know frank reich said that's the play we've had the most success on in the past this is just personally they've they've done that several times this year um in that situation when you need to get an inch i just don't think lining up in shotgun and running up the middle with this offensive line is a very high percentage move there's a there, nothing run, running anything in short yardage with this offensive line is a high percentage move i don't have this in front of me so i i'm, I'm gonna need to go look at it before our next podcast so we can talk about it i think football outsiders or somebody did a shotgun versus under center like workup like they actually tried to go in and do a workup on it to find out if it was if it was what everybody suspects, which is that it's not it's worse under shotgun. I asked Frank Reich about this after the game, and I asked him specifically if part of the reason they did that is that Ellinger did not spend much time under center um in college. And kinda got conflicting information on that. You know, he said he can do he can work out from under center, he can also work out of the shotgun. But he also said when he was talking about why they didn't uh, run it on fourth and inches, why they didn't sneak it on fourth and inches at the 30, um, that they haven't seen Sam sneak it much and they need to have a couple of those plays before they know what's going to happen on them. I think think that maybe hints that 
they're not sure what they're going to get out of that. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, this this is this is this is a quarterback who operated out of the shotgun in college. Most quarterbacks do, um, but a lot of his running was out of the was running it was out of the shotgun. I think the other thing is that Reich said was, and this this also makes sense to me. You can I, you can get as furious as you want to, at me for uh, out there, listeners, for saying this. That it makes sense to me. Just go for it. Um, just you know, really dial it up. Like, be oh, the, they will be the anger guy from uh, Inside Out. Uh, but that by being in a shotgun, he thought that it gave the defense more to think about in terms of the action. Like, is he is he going out? You know, that kind of thing. And um. Is he going to keep the ball? Is he going to go around the edge? I, I can see that. Uh, there's also yeah, obviously I under just, center. There's also the naked boot. Yeah, um, I just I just think it's it's overthinking it a little bit. But I understand. I think you're right though about the um, what they've seen Sam do and, and not do. Like the, they've got a new center. They got a new quarterback working a center exchange with with Ryan Kelly, who's had some snapping issues at times this year. I think they just they, they just didn't want to risk the disaster that could happen on that play. If they fumble in that moment, they don't get a field goal in a low-scoring game. Like, as bad as that play was, them getting stuffed in the backfield, that's better than fumbling. And I just think they're at that risk, and especially if they that when they were at the 30 and they punted, if they do that and he fumbles there. I mean, you're just giving them easy field position to go and win the and game. And that's, that's a good play in terms of – that's a good – that's a good that, – that, that third down and short play is a – just how far Quentin Nelson has sort of fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get a hat on anybody really. Um, yeah, he's uh, he he got called guy, for holding and the, today. And the guy too. who made the guy who made the play kind of went right over him. Uh, Jonathan yes. Allen had eight tackles today. Uh, no sacks, but eight tackles. Um, he's not really. He's just not. None of them. Nobody in the offensive line is playing well, but. You know Nelson to be this. You know, or say always talking about him being John Hanna. He just hasn't been that guy this year. No. And I don't know if it's the weight of everything else that's going on in the offensive line dragging him down. If it's leftover residue from all the injuries and surgeries he went through last year, he just hasn't been that guy. I mean, none of them have. Ryan Kelly is, hasn't been good. My, my best guess on Ryan Kelly is just that all the years of injuries have caught up to him. I think so. Again, um, he's just always seems dinged up anymore too. Well, he he always time. was. He always right. was. Like he he's like ever since I've been here, he's kind of always had something, um, and you wonder if the the toll of that eventually gets mm-hmm. to him. Uh, Matt Pryor, another really bad day. Got to got to remember to ask about that this week. You know, is there a chance of making a move at right guard? Um, I guess the tackles were a little better this week. Tackles were a little bit better this week, but I but did notice. I, I I'm gonna have to go back and watch this on tape because if I can get to it. Um, sorry, listeners, I have a two-week-old at home. Sometimes watching tape is hard. Uh, but I did notice this. The the Commanders had six quarterback hits. Two were by Montez Sweat, who plays defensive end. Three were by James Smith-Williams, who also plays defensive end. So now I'm have now I, I have wonder, I'm wondering if there's stuff that with the tackles that I didn't see. Well, also, when I say they were better, I mean... Right, that's fair. Um, going from a low bar. So... There, there's some of that stuff I think that's going to make it harder for. It's just going to make it hard for anything, you know. Yeah, and that's um, kind of the point I want to make is that I that that was the one play call I did not like, but for the most part, I thought I thought Frank Reich and Marcus Brady had a great plan for this new young quarterback um, to to use what he does well to not for, put him in situations where he was going to get 
you know, throwing interceptions across the middle of the field, the type of things that that uh, opposing defenses want to force your young quarterback to have to do and get in his head. They got him away from a lot of that. They got him away from danger with the rollouts and with um, even even those stretch runs. It just was it was just less of having to win from the pocket. They, you know, fans. I know fans hated it when you see like you know they run up the middle on third and three to kick a field goal. But he's just not at the point, and and no six round pick. Very few six round picks are in their first start. Uh, pretty much none is to to do like win from the pocket on the thing is on like third down on like third and three or fourth and three or something like that teams defenses play man coverage and so you know that can help a running quarterback if he has the offensive line protection to get outside but if he doesn't he's having to win with his arm and with his connection and it's just not there yet that was the big thing these receivers are super young uh some of them have not had not caught a ball from him in from from Sam in a, a year. And Reggie Wayne talked this week, they had to work overtime to kind of catch up on that. So this is a process. So I thought they, the game plan, I thought really did a good job of not putting him in difficult situations, of using what he does do well, but also just diversifying the entire, uh, just kind of the, the offense in general. Like the way they got the ball to Paris Campbell on an end around, on a screenplay, that's the stuff I've been waiting for. I think they were... They've been trying to build Paris Campbell up, and this is what I want to make. He's this was the best game he's had. I mean, th- this thing is really happening for Paris Campbell. Where the past two weeks he had 17 total catches scored in each game, but it felt kind of like, well, it's you know, last week it was like 10 catches for 70 some yards. It's like it, it wasn't the explosive version. It was starting to get the volume, but they they really felt like that four three guy. They've seen it in practice. I've heard that so many times, and. Naheem Hines today said he was watching him in practice the other day, and he thought, man, this this is finally that guy who was at Ohio State, the one we saw running away from Michigan and winning a Rose Bowl and winning the Big Ten championship game. And it had gone away for a long time because that's what happens when you have knee injuries and foot injuries and you don't, you know, you don't trust all the ligaments and you're having to cut and do all this stuff. Um, they've been building Paris to this moment, but the past couple of weeks I heard a lot more about he looks like that guy in practice. Reggie Wayne said that too. Today he showed that on the field. Those two plays, the end around, the screen pass, and actually three plays. I'll give him the uh, the pass, pass interference he forced where he totally beat the DB one-on-one coverage down the field. Like, that guy is 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 here. And it's right now it's just kind of a shame that if you told me that they would have the healthy and explosive Paris Campbell at this point in the year, I, I, would, I would have thought this offense would be really good. But unfortunately for them, they've got that, and they don't have the blocking. They don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the stability quarterback. They're now in a backup. Um, but it is something that really help, is really going to help Sam out as he, as he continues here, is that guy that can kind of create explosive plays with the ball in his hands. That's, Jonathan Taylor can do that if they give him a chance. Today he finally had a 28-yard run, but hadn't before, or 27-yard run. But uh, – but he needs that. He needs those guys to create that instant life, so that he doesn't have to be the guy throwing forty yards down the field to make it happen. Um, Taylor, can be, we're going to be monitoring his ankle again this week after he tweaked it. I mean, he played the rest of the game, had sixteen carries, seemed like he was pretty much fine. Uh, but you know, just it's just it's been tough for him to stay at full strength this year. And then you know, on top of that, he's had uh little blocking um he's done okay with it 
you know, he's done he's done okay with it so far. I think four point eight yards per carry. Big fumble today though. And and that's sort of that's sort of the thing with his season right now is you haven't gotten the big plays from him that you normally are used to getting, the the game breaking type plays. You haven't had any of those yet. And then you've had two really, really rough fumbles. Um which, you know, Ellinger had another fumble that when the game, when you, in a game you lose by one, those two fumbles down on the twenty, Frank Wright kinda highlighted those afterward. They as as good as Ellinger played and as encouraging as some of the stuff from Taylor was, those are two turnovers that probably cost you the end up it in some way costing you the game. Mm-hmm. Um that along with, you know, not being able to get in from inside the, the five, uh on the on the one that you were mentioned earlier where you didn't like the you didn't like the play call. Um so some of that stuff it, with the offense, there's some encouraging stuff. Still sixteen points, not enough. Um Michael Pittman Jr. I wanted to get to this a little bit. He's had two plays now in the last couple of weeks and, and both of us are, are big um I guess Pittman Jr. advocates. I think he re- I think he can really play. I think he brings a lot to this offense. Um, but he's had two or three chances here the last couple of weeks uh, to make something happen that hasn't really hasn't gone that way. He had the fumble last week. He didn't get in the end zone. You pointed this out when we were walking out of the locker room. He didn't get in the end zone on the touch pass, um, which you don't blame him for, but also I think he would probably say like, I'm supposed to be good after the catch. I'm supposed to be able to bully my way in there. Mm -hmm. He Um, plays, he likes to play the game as a running back. mm -hmm. So, and then obviously the biggest one, uh, Colts get the ball back with, I think 22 seconds, not much of a chance on the first play from scrimmage. They actually get the play they need. Ellinger buys time, just makes a gorgeous throw to Michael Pittman jr. Um, puts it right on his chest he caught it in a spot where maybe he didn't get a whole, he couldn't get a whole lot of yards, but I think he could get out of bounds, which would be huge because the Colts had a timeout right around the 50. And then you actually have a shot. Um, you've actually got a shot to maybe give Chase McLaughlin a 50-something yard kick for the win, uh, which McLaughlin's made those kicks for the Colts so far. So you had a chance there, and Pittman drops it. We, we didn't get a chance to talk to Pittman Jr. after the game. Um, but... You know that's that's something I'm sure, I'm sure he's gonna not be happy about that. Oh, um, yeah. not you know he's gonna be upset at himself for that. Yeah, he's uh he's he's I've got to know him pretty well this year just in profiling him and talking to his dad and he is a super intense player and he's really really hard on himself and that's even when he plays really well. Week one he had he had like nine catches for a hundred and some yards and he brought up one play he messed up on a slant. And that's that's how he operates. So these kind of mistakes really get to him in the moment. Now he's he's gotten to this place where he, you know, he's found a good way to. Flush yeah, we it. would have talked to him in the locker room. He just wasn't there. He wasn't there. Um, he did, he does own these things a lot. So I'd be interested next time we do talk to him. But this year's been odd. For, I mean, it's odd for everybody, but it's been odd for him too. Because there are moments where I watch him and I'm like, this looks like a superstar ready to break out. When he has like a 13 catch game a couple weeks ago. I mean, some of the stuff, he's, he has plays where he steals the ball out of the hands of a defender who's about to pick it. Like, there's certain plays that you watch and you go, there's very few guys who just physically can do that. But it's it's just not been complete. There's been, you know, for two years now, he's he's just not gotten t- 
touchdowns very much. He has this thing they used to make fun of him last year back when they were winning about how he always gets tackled at the one. Uh, but but it happened again today. It's just that, that next level for, you know, scoring touchdowns. There's a couple moments where um, a couple weeks ago, what game was that? That was against the uh, it was home game against the Titans when he missed two, two touchdown passes. I think it was more Matt Ryan threw it late, but – there's one of those he could have gotten. Oh, a I remember in. that sequence. There's I was one not that happy with Ryan. That but there's one where he, uh, if you ask Pitt, he believes he should have got his foot in, um, because he holds himself to a high standard. So my point is, he's he's a very good wide receiver. He's definitely a wide receiver one. But there's still another gear for him. This, this consistency, the big plays at the end of games and in the red zone that that just isn't there. And some of that is. You know, some of that is the cumulative effect of it's amazing to think he's had four quarterbacks in two and a half years. That doesn't excuse these mistakes, but I just think that that's we're not getting to the full unleashed version of him. He's got to lock in better, and he'll tell you that. But this is like he's a really, really good player, but he's not at that that superstar breakout player that I think is in there. It's just not. It's just not the full package yet. Well, I also thought it was important to relay this. It, it didn't work in a story um, because of the quarterback change. I was, I was planning to make it a story if the quarterback change hadn't happened. Um, but I asked him kind of point blank about, you know, last week you said that the coaches don't trust you. Um, did you feel like they addressed that? And what he said was, they he said they, they trust us. Um, you know, we've thrown it more in the last couple of weeks than we have. Uh, so he kind of... He didn't exactly double down on his uh, what was what was seemed like a pretty strong comment uh, after the game la- the week before, um, and, and a, a shot at, at his coaching staff. Um, the thing I want to point out with that, I I can't say for certain, and he'll probably not get into it whether that was related to coaching or the quarterback or both. I, I remember him saying they've got to trust. I think it us. was read as I think it was read as the coaches. It did idiot. come off more like that, and he. But, but you know, part of why they made this change is they wanted to get a quarterback who could get out of the pocket and have a chance to get the ball more down the field than a 37-year-old quarterback who was always throwing off his back foot and just didn't have the arm strength to win that way anymore. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to monitor. They, he wants to he, – he's a guy – he wants you to put it on his back, and that's why plays like today – this is kind of what I'm getting at with him. He wants the team to put the game on him, but today was a moment where – you know, he could have done a little, bit, on him. a little bit yeah. better. The and game he, was on him, and he needed to make there. that catch. So that'll be the next evolution for him. He's a really, really good player. Um, he'll he'll shake this off and bounce back. He's actually gotten very good at that, I think, of flushing these moments. Uh, but but that's the new level for him is when the game is on him to really take control. Defensively, um, you know, it's a day that – defensively, it's a day that, you know, you, you felt like – for three quarters, the only reason the Colts had a chance to win was the defense, specifically, specifically uh, Grover the guard butcher, and DeForest destroyer of uh, devourer of worlds. We're going with two um, MCU villains <laughs> for that. I'm just going to go with that. Thanks to uh, Kenan and Zach for coming up with the guard butcher. And I can't remember which Twitter user immediately came up with Galactus, but it just works. Just it just <laughs> works for me. For comic book movie fans, comic book fans, it's just a good one. I apologize. I'll try to look it up before the other before the podcast or the next time I say it. Whoever came up with that, really good. Um, they're playing really well. 
And yet Washington called a fourth down play where they ran right at those Very two. Very confusing. That uh, was shocking. <laughs> Very confusing. And and the predictable thing happened, which was they both got pushed and allowed EJ Speed to come off the edge and make the tackle. Um, but uh, I, I kind of tried to give the defense a chance to – I wasn't – I guess in retrospect, just kind of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking my own film, like – it probably does come off as like trying to get them to uh, rat on their teammates by asking if it's if it's tough to deal with the offense not scoring and you have to be dominant. And I just have a lot of respect for the the def- the, the defensive leaders on that team because I asked Buckner some version of that question. I asked Gilmore that version of some question. Some version of that question. I wasn't try wasn't really trying to get something inflammatory. I was really trying more to just you know, see if there's a toll being taken on them by the way the season is gone. And Buckner was like, yeah, we want to be dominant. That's what we're supposed to be. Like, <laughs> that's just like, and, and Gilmore, like Gilmore on, on the, the play for McLaurin where he went up and got it over him. He's like, I've just got to make that play. I just have to, doesn't matter how long he scrambled. None of that matters. I just have to make the play. And they, they just kind of owned it. They owned how, how bad the last two drives were after a really good game before that the last two drives were bad. 12, 12 plays, 82 yards for a field goal, 9 plays, 89 yards for a touchdown uh, when they absolutely couldn't give it up. A fourth and six that Kenny Moore gave up on a crossing route to Kenny to Curtis Samuel. Crossing routes were bad for Kenny Moore again. Moore has not been able to – the last two years I thought he played at a Pro Bowl level. He hasn't really been anywhere near that yet. He still doesn't have a turnover um, no. This halfway through the season. Uh that's that's just a quick aside. And then the other one, fourth and one, because of the earlier play, Washington didn't run it despite having timeouts. I think because of the earlier play, they didn't run it. They threw Colts get pressure immediately on Heineke. Like it looked like he's not going to ma- do anything with this play. And Heineke kind of magics his way out of it and gets a completion out. So two fourth downs they didn't get. And then Gilmore said even after that, even after the second fourth down, Gilmore was like, doesn't matter we've got them on their side of the field with one minute to go the last thing we can do is give up two chunk plays we give up two chunk plays so they owned it i mean they owned that they weren't good enough i think over the course of the season though uh those guys specifically buckner was saying like from a pass rush standpoint we have to get him down pressure's not good enough in that situation sacks kill two minute you have to get a sack they owned it i think based on what they've done for most of the season you end up feeling like yes they blew this one but they've played really good football and generally carried the Colts um I just wanted to talk about the defense a little bit just in terms of yeah they were pissed at themselves they weren't pissed at the offense they were pissed at themselves yeah this is this one's podcast (laughs) first impressions things happen why not this this one's going to sting for them because this was a game the defense needed to win I mean this is Sam Ellinger's first start and they really did I when they said Buckner said some version of we 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 were ahead in points <laughs> and we got to make up a stop. 16 to 9 and they were yeah, they were up uh or 16 to 7 yeah they were up 16 to 7 with two drives left with a with a quarter left in the game against an offense that they dominated like i, I he's right yeah. he's right um me and, and looking at it the me looking at it the way i was looking at it down to the locker room is wrong the question line of question i'm not happy with my line of questioning there yeah. um, i i had some i wanted back too that's that's how it goes um, what's interesting is i was you were with the defense i was more with the offense and it's interesting just to hear the contrast because like 
Naheem Hines had the same approach was we were up 16 to 7. We've got to put the game away. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be always asking our – he kind of went more what you're asking about is we're always asking our defense to win the game. And at some point we've got to be able to That's put That's what I was away. trying to go off of with some of what the offense has said about like the defense is playing so well and we're not capitalizing. But I think the way I asked it ended up coming off bad. Um, uh, but but like this will sting for them because they defense has been very very good this year and they were responsible they they suffocated um, the Chiefs and Broncos to get two of their three wins this season and well Gilmore um, I mean and the guy who gave up the completion was the guy who had the final nail in the coffin for both of those games was Gilmore yeah and I want to give I think we got to give some credit to the Commanders Taylor Heineke Taylor is, Heineke can play <laughs> man that guy has nerves of steel I I I, I tweeted before the game that the you know the kind of the draft evaluations of both Ellinger and Heineke, which were very similar. Um, they're both six one. Ellinger is a little bit bigger, a little bit more muscular, so he's got a little bit more weight to him. Um, they're both kind of mobile. They're both mobile. Uh, they're both incredible leaders, like beloved by teammates. Super tough. Uh, and then I said, you know, doubted because of their uh, throwing limitations, and people got kind of upset about that, like. But, like, I shouldn't – and I said – then I called it – can we call this game the Clone Wars? Um, but like, people get kind of upset about that. Like, being Taylor Heineke is bad. I I think Taylor Heineke is a great story. It's a fantastic a, story. Obviously, Sam's not going to say this now that he's a starter, but we talked to him in the in the preseason where he said his goal is to play 15 years in this league and learn for three seasons. And if he's a backup for a long time, that's a successful outcome because that's what it is being a late pick is you're just you're trying to make it. So Taylor Heineke has really worked hard to, I mean, to build the trust of his teammates. Also, just his his confidence in what he is and not trying to not trying to create danger, but also using legs to make that big play. So I give him credit. And then you have to give credit to Terry McLaurin. That was an unbelievable catch. And there's very few guys that would rip a ball out of Stephon Gilmore's hands. Gilmore said he jumped a little bit late. Um, felt like he should have been in a better position. But, yes, I agree with that. And that's – I mean, this isn't, you know, a fun angle for Colts fans. But it was a it was a fun angle for Terry McLaurin to come back Curtis to. Curtis Samuel had a big game, too. That kind of yeah. kind of bullied Kenny a little bit in the slot, but but th- Terry McLaurin coming back to his hometown first time he's been on the other side, you know, against his hometown. Love he, Terry McLaurin, dude, balled out today. Just just absolutely huge play. So we love Terry McLaurin. May not, may not be what Colts Colts <laughs> fans want to hear, but I think you sometimes you do have to give credit to the other team too. Like this, the Colts. Yeah, defense, but this is a Colts pod. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like we can the defense. This will sting though because they. Um, even the, even the, with the commanders making big plays, this was this was their moment to help help get this young kid who played pretty well at quarterback in his first start a win and get them a win and get them. This is this was one of the more easier games in the schedule for them to try and manage. with a very chaotic situation with a quarterback change and everything else that's going on, and th- this will feel like a big missed opportunity. On the uh, on the Heineke comparison, I kind of want to end the podcast here because I think it's a good way to wrap up what we saw from Ellinger. Um, I don't know that Sam Ellinger proved he can be a, a long-term starting quarterback. I don't know that he can prove he can be a short-term starting quarterback. I don't know. We, we don't have enough. Um, but very encouraging what we saw. I did think, though, that he proved something that's very important that we didn't know before this. Sam Ellinger proved he belongs in the NFL. And I think that the you know if he's going to play 15 years in the league, it's it's crazy to say this off of one game. But he went a really long way towards establishing himself as someone who could be a backup for that long. 
you know, he, he showed he can start and play solid football in an NFL NFL football game against a, a defense that had 19 sacks coming in. Um, and for him in his career, like there, there's a lot more we're going to find out about him in the coming weeks in terms of if he can be a starter, um, can he be the Colts starter, you know, that kind of stuff. That's that's still all to be determined, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we we got to judge him once defenses have tape on him and stuff like that too. But he proved he could be a player in this league. He proved he belongs. And that's that's big. That's a big thing for a six-round quarterback. Oh, yeah. You know, this week I spent so much time researching other just NFL history to find situations like what the Colts are dealing with where they bench a starter of Matt Ryan's caliber, you know, top ten in career numbers for a day three pick with a 500 record. You almost never find it. And one of the moments that came closest to that was – just to show you the range of outcomes here, we're saying Taylor Heineke, that's kind of the high end just based on on probabilities. But if you want to know the, the range here, uh, the Bills back in 2017 had a situation like this where they were 5-4 and four and they benched Tyrod Taylor for uh, Nathan Peterman, who was a fifth-round pick, who had never played in a game. So it was very much profile like I know where you're going, Sam but I want to throw this in there. How did that go, Nate? How did it go for uh, Nathan Peter, young Nathan Peterman on that day? Well, he's only played in like three other games after that in his career. So uh, five interceptions, that's how it went, and, and they never went back to him. And they went. It actually is It's just an interesting moment as you see what the Bills are right now. That was Sean McDermott owning that mistake, going back to Tyrod Taylor. They got to the playoffs and all of that. Just kind of an interesting side note to, to how these things build. But that was a moment where Nathan Peterman felt the weight of a team that wanted, like, was expecting to make the playoffs, were mad that the quarterback they loved and Tyrod Taylor, who's not Matt Ryan, but he was – a pretty beloved starter there in his third season. And Nathan Peterman was crushed under that, played just one of the all-time worst games ever. And that can happen with an overwhelmed player. And I, what you brought up earlier, I think, about with Sam is that, I mean, it was never going to be that bad. But when he comes out and it's three and out, three and out, and then a fumble, there's a route where that, that, that gets your head spinning and it, and it just snowballs because this is a lot on a kid to put the weight of a team that's got 10 pro bowlers and really, really still wants to make the playoffs. I know fans, a lot of fans have given up on this team, but the math is that they were three, three and one It's hard to see at this point. I'll give them that at this point it is, but the reality is that he was feeling the, the weight of doing his best to put him in position. And that's what he ultimately did. He gave them, he gave them a shot. Now they got to score more than sixteen points. In other weeks, this won't work. But this was the first start, and this could have gone any any direction of ways. And he stabilized it after an early turnover, not much success to really play his best down the stretch. And they end up losing because they gave up two eighty-yard drives at the end. But it, the, but they didn't lose because of Sam Ellinger, and that was the best case scenario. That's where we are heading into the next week. He's got a big test next week because next week. He's Bill Belichick against a young quarterback. On the road. Which is sort of a legendary type of thing. Um, Bill Belichick going against young quarterbacks. Bill Belichick going against number one receivers. Those are the two things I always think about with him. Uh, bigger test for Sam Ellinger next week, but he passed the first one. Which, if you're looking for silver linings, that's it from a game where they lost. Uh, for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, first impressions edition, I am Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, 
human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.